Hey, this is Byron, and I'm the lead pastor here at Redemption Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly sermon podcast. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, and helps you experience life change through Jesus. For more sermons like this, blogs, resources, or opportunities to get connected, visit us at www.redemptiontx.com. What is the most important day of your life? I want you to think about that for just a second. What is the most important day of your life? Is it the day that you're born? That's a pretty important day, you'd think, right? Is it the day that you're born? Is it the day that you graduate from high school, maybe from college? Is it the day that you fall in love? What is the most important day? The day you get married? The day that you have children? The day you have grandchildren? Is it the day that you retire? What is for you? the most important day of your life. I want you to think about that for just a sec. The most important day of your life has not happened yet. The most important day of your life really is the last day. The most important day is the day that you die because it's on that day that really determines everything else. So the sermon title today is called Wisdom for Death. King Solomon, he's going to teach us one more thing, and we're going to learn from his life, and we're going to, we're going to learn wisdom for death. Today, we wrap up our 10-week study through the book of Proverbs, and it's called Wisdom for Life, and we've covered some of the most important, the most practical, the most personal matters when it comes to life, and well, we're also going to talk about death because that's probably one of the most important things about your life that you need to know. You need to know that you are going to die. But how you live, well, that's what determines how you die. And so we're going to continue learning from the book of Proverbs, and King Solomon's going to teach us. Now, if you remember all the way back to week one, we already covered um, King Solomon's story. He's the richest, wisest, most successful, powerful man in the history of the world, and his story is beginning in um, 1 Kings chapter 3. God shows up to him on the day that he becomes king, and God says, Solomon, I'm going to give you anything that you want. I'm going to give you anything that you ask for. What is the the greatest wish that you have? What is your deepest desire? What is your prayer? One thing, anything, it's yours. What do you want? Solomon thinks about it for a second. Solomon says, God, if I could have one thing, would you just give me some wisdom? Would you please give me wisdom? And then the Lord responds and answers him and says, that's a good idea. You have chosen correctly, and so I'm going to give you wisdom. Here's the story. In 1 Kings chapter 3, Solomon says, Give your servant a discerning heart, that's wisdom, to govern this people and distinguish between what's right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord has said, The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or for wealth for yourself, nor have you asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never be anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, he says, more than that, here's what else I'm going to do. I will give you what you have not asked for. I will give you both wealth and honor so that in my decrees and you will have no equal as David your father did. That's important. 
I will give you a long life. So God comes up to Solomon, 1 Kings 3, and he says, Solomon, anything you want, it's yours. Just ask, I'm gonna give it to you. And Solomon says, God, I would like some wisdom. God says, because you didn't ask for sinful, selfish things only to serve yourself, but you wanna serve me, then not only am I gonna give you wisdom, but I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give you everything you didn't ask for. I'm gonna give you wealth, I'm gonna give you honor, I'm gonna give you riches, I'm gonna give you respect, I'm gonna give you reputation. I'm gonna set you up to be the best king that this world has ever seen. And here's what God does. God teaches us, Solomon, that if you get wisdom, you get everything else. That wisdom changes everything. But there is a caveat. In the last verse, here's what we see. God says, if you listen to me, if you walk with me, if you obey me, if you keep my decrees, you get a long life. But if you reject me, if you walk away from me, if you turn your back on me, well, then you're going to experience death. That's God's word to Solomon, but that's really God's word to us, that if you choose wisdom, you get life. But if you walk away from wisdom, then here's what you get. You get death. And so today we're going to learn wisdom for death from King Solomon. And here's why this is so important. It's because the last day is really the most important day. The reason why it's so important is because how you live determines how you die. We need to make a decision because the decisions we make today determine our eternity and our destiny. The most important day is the last day. And so while the sermon is called Wisdom for Death, I wanna talk to you about life because wisdom is for the living. If you wait until you're dead to get wisdom, it's too late. There is no wisdom for the dead. Wisdom is for the living. And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about, I wanna talk to you about life. The number three we're gonna see is we're gonna talk about your life. The second thing, we're gonna talk about Solomon's life. And then number three, we're gonna talk about Jesus' life. And so we're gonna talk about life today. And I want you to consider and I want you to look at your life. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Proverbs chapter nine. We're gonna read the whole section and then we're gonna, we're gonna talk about it on the back end. Today we're gonna meet two women. We're gonna make two choices and we're gonna see how this plays out. One woman, her name is Lady Wisdom and she's prepared a table and a feast and she's inviting you to come and sit with her. There's another woman, her name's Lady Folly. She's also prepared a table, she's also prepared a feast and she wants you to come and sit with her. Two women, but there is only one choice. Will you sit with Lady Wisdom who leads to holiness and godliness and righteousness or will you sit with Lady Folly who really just leads to death? Two women, two choices, but you must decide. How will you live? Because that determines how you die. Proverbs 9, a lot of Bible today, so buckle up, we're gonna read it all. Wisdom has built her house and she has hewn seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts and she has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest of places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. That's very important. Mark it, circle it, highlight it. 
We're gonna come back to it. Verse seven, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse and whoever reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instructions to the wise and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Let me pause right there. Fear of the Lord is a mega theme through the book of Proverbs. Every single week we see this show up over and over over and over again. The fear of the Lord. What that means is God is God and I am not. Fear of the Lord, it it begins to see God for who he is. And when you see God for who he is, then you're going to know how you're supposed to live. It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. There is a difference between wisdom and knowledge. See, you can know a lot and you cannot do it and still be a fool. Right? That's, that, that's the difference. See, knowledge is what you know. Wisdom is how you live. So the definition we gave throughout the series of wisdom is this. It's the application of knowledge, of the knowledge of God in every aspect of your life. That it's not just what you know, it's actually how you live. The fear of the Lord. Continue on on. Verse 11. For by me, that's wisdom, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. Now we're going to meet Lady Folly. Woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and she knows nothing. She sits on the door of her house. She takes a seat at the high place of town, calling out to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to whoever lacks sense, I want to say something. Doesn't folly sound a lot like wisdom? Did you notice that? They both have a temple. They both have a feast. They both call out, hey, if you're simple, come in here. Foolishness sounds a lot like wisdom to a person who doesn't listen. And foolishness is calling out and wisdom is calling out and you have to make a choice and you need to choose wisely because here's what we see. She says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he, the one who sits down at her table, the one who goes to her feast, he does not know that the dead are in there and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Some of your translations say this, hell. Two women, two choices, wisdom or foolishness, life or death. But you must decide. It really is that simple. Sometimes we like to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Proverbs says straight up, you live, you die, you decide. That's just the way that it is. And over the course of this series, we've been laying out the case of wisdom. So it's a 10-week series. Week one, we talked about wisdom for life. Week 10, we're talking about wisdom for death. And everything that comes in between there, that's called your life. Okay, from life to death, everything else, that's, that's very important. And how you live determines how you die. And so we've been making a case for eight of the most important, most practical aspects of everyday life, things that you and me, no matter who we are, we're gonna need to figure out along the way. And so here's kind of what we've covered throughout this, this series. We've covered the subject of friendship. We've covered the subject of manhood, womanhood, dating, marriage, work, and parenting. And so what does wisdom look like for each one of those things? Well, if you choose wisdom when it comes to your friendships, well, then you're going to have good friendships that are going to be very life-giving. 
But if you reject wisdom for your friendships, well, then they're going to be struggling and suffering, and you're going to experience a lot of strife. The one who walks with the wise becomes wise. The companion of fools suffers harm. Okay, you walk with fools, you shoot yourself in the foot. Okay, that's just the way that it goes. Proverbs, it makes a lot of sense. You get life or you get death. Next, we looked at wisdom for women. If you get wisdom around womanhood, then you're going to flourish. You're going to be free. But if you reject wisdom, then you're going to live under constant guilt, shame, and condemnation that comes from the culture. If you get wisdom for manhood, you're going to be strong. You're going to accept responsibility, and you're going to make a difference in this world. If you reject wisdom for manhood, then you become just another long line of boys who can shave. That's all you're going to be. If you get wisdom when it comes to the subject of dating, then you're going to set yourself up for success around one of the most important conversations that you need to have. If you reject wisdom for dating, then you're going to suffer many tears, many years of heartache and heartbreak because you didn't have wisdom. If you get wisdom for marriage, your marriage is going to be strong, God-honoring. It's going to be healthy. If you reject wisdom for marriage, you're going to be bitter, resentful, and unforgiving, heading towards a divorce. If you get wisdom around the subject of your work, you're going to see work as an opportunity for worship, 10,000, 100,000 hours of your life now worshiping. If you reject wisdom for work, then you just become a slave. If you get wisdom for your money, you're going to experience generosity, honoring the Lord with the first fruits. If you reject wisdom for your money, you can be the richest person in the world and you can still be in total poverty. If you get wisdom when it comes to your children, you're going to raise them up, prepare them for the day of the Lord. If you reject wisdom for parenting, then you crush your kids because you're making them an idol. Proverbs is right. You can get wisdom or you can be a fool. If you get wisdom, it's going to change everything in your life. If you want to be a fool, well, then it's going to kill and destroy everything in your life. Proverbs is very simple. We, we, we make it way too complicated. It just works like this. You live, you die, you get wisdom, or you be a fool. That's the choice. Proverbs lays it out just like that. And you know what's so heartbreaking is that every single week, people choose foolishness. One of the things we hear through this sermon series is just how incredible this series has been for a lot of people in our church. I mean, whenever we were launching into it, I'll be honest, I didn't want to preach Proverbs at first because, you know, we do Mark and we're doing verse by verse, chapter one, chapter two, walk through, and then Proverbs comes and it's just all over the place. And so I got to put it together and compile it and I'm wrestling and working through it and I don't feel like I'm very wise and I'm preaching these sermons, convicting myself and I'm like, God, is this really where you want us to go? And he's like, that's what I want you to do. So we started, and I was worried about it, and then people started coming up to me. They're like, Byron, I didn't want to start the book of Proverbs. I'll be honest with you. It was not really what I wanted to do. I thought this series was going to be dumb. And then as soon as we got into it, they're like, oh, what's so funny? God, this series is amazing. This is probably the best. And you know what's so funny is when we started this series, I thought it was going to be a feel-good, happy-go-lucky series. <laughs> wow. Totally not, right? This has been one of the most convicting series I think we've ever had as, as a church. And every single week in our community groups, people are coming up, they're saying, Byron, this is amazing. This is incredible. Thank you so much for this. Now, we love Mark. We're going to jump back into Mark in the fall. We can't wait for Mark. Mark's amazing. And here's what Mark, Mark's like Jesus feeds 5,000. Jesus walks on the water. And we say things like this, not enough for us is more than enough for Jesus. And we're like, Amen. Hallelujah. 
praise the Lord, and we say things like this, like, Jesus walks through the storm so you can get through your storm, and they're like, praise him, praise him, amen, thank you, pastor. What does Proverbs have to say? Drop the chalupa, get a job. (laughs) Wow. That's very personal. Yeah, well, what else is in this book? He says this, he says, um, get a shovel, take care of your ox. Oh. So you mean I actually have to do something now? Yes. See, one of the things people do is this, is they love to come to church and they say, life changed through Jesus, and then nothing in their life changes. Proverbs says, oh, you want life change? You got that life change through Jesus? Let's talk about your life. See, it's easy for you to come and listen to Mark and pretend I'm preaching about somebody else. Proverbs says, I'm talking about you. And it's very in your face. Right, Proverbs is like, hey, how's that budget coming? You tithing yet? Oh, okay, so there's some things we need to do now. And that's why some people love the book of Proverbs. But some people have not loved it so much. Some people, they they choose foolishness. You know, some people have actually left our church during this series. Some people have left our church because they feel like the Bible doesn't have any business talking about their life. They say, you know, I I come to church and I don't really like to be told I'm wrong. I don't like to be told that I need to change. I don't like to be told things that I disagree with. I don't come to church to feel bad or to be convicted. I want to be pat on the back, told everything's gonna be okay. And you know, Byron, I I just don't feel like this is really appropriate for me. And they give up and they give in and they turn their back and they walk away. Some people have left the faith. Some people have left the church. And do you know the reason why? It's because they love foolishness. In the end, they, they love death. Here's what Proverbs would call that person. Proverbs would call them a scoffer. Here's, here's what the book of Proverbs says. Proverbs says this, correct the wise man, he's gonna love you. Okay, those of you, you're like, yay, Proverbs, I love it. Okay, it's because you have wisdom. But if you correct a scoffer, he's going to hate you. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you are a scoffer, then you alone will bear it. Some people choose life. Some people choose death. Some people choose wisdom. Some people choose foolishness. But every single person must make the choice. And here's the truth. Five minutes after you die, you will know exactly how you are supposed to live. Five minutes after you die, you will know exactly how you are supposed to live. There is no wisdom for the dead. If you're dead, it's too late. Wisdom is for the living. Don't be a fool. I meet people all the time. They say, Pastor Byron, you know what? I believe in God, but I just don't want to live for him right now. That's foolishness. I was raised in the church, but I just don't want to go back because I know that if I do, I'm going to have to change some things in my life. Foolishness. You say, you know what? I believe what the Bible says. I just don't want to do it. You know what we call that? That's called foolishness. You are living with a loaded gun up to your head, waiting for the day that God pulls the trigger, and on that day, it's gonna be too late. There is no wisdom for the dead. Life is short, hell is hot, forever is a long time, and the decisions you make today, they determine your eternity and your destiny. You must decide life, death, foolishness, wisdom. You have to make a choice. 
Hear me on this. When Proverbs says life, it doesn't just mean the next 70 years. What it means is eternal life. Whenever Proverbs says death, it's not talking about worm food. It's not talking about dead and buried and the ceasing of your existence. It says what Jesus says, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the flame never dies and the eternal conscious torment suffering never ends. And you're gonna trade eternity for 50 years? Fool! you're foolish and in the end you get what you deserve you're a fool you must make a choice it's not complicated wisdom or foolishness that's all it is both have a table set for you who are you going to listen to lady wisdom Lady Folly, that's your choice. One leads to life, one leads to death, but you must decide who you're gonna follow. Don't take it from me, take it from Solomon. I've talked to you about your life, now I wanna talk to you about Solomon's life. We, we, we met Solomon, we've been talking about Solomon a lot. He's this great king, he's rich, he's successful, he's powerful, he's wise. He has everything that we dream of. He has the life. 3,000 years ago in Israel, he was living the American dream. He had everything that we long for and we desire. It was all his. Riches, success, fame, popularity, notoriety. And beyond that, it came from God. And he got it all from him. And you think, that must be the most important day of Solomon's life. The day he got wisdom. That wasn't the most important day of his life. Because remember, the most important day is when? It's the last day. So what do we see happen in, in Solomon's life? Well, in 1 Kings 3, we saw he got the wisdom. He asked for wisdom. God's like, hey, you have chosen correctly. I'm gonna give you wisdom, wealth, honor, respect, riches, everything else. But there is a contingency plan. If you honor me, then I will honor you. But if you walk away from me, well, then you're going to, to lose everything. And so Solomon, he agrees and he gets the wisdom. And from that point, here's what Solomon does. He, he goes and he establishes the kingdom of the nation of Israel further and further, farther than anyone else before him or after him. 40 years that he reigned, total peace. He, he never fought a single war, shooting his kingship. He actually built the temple. In Proverbs 9, we saw the temple shooting with seven pillars. Okay, guess who built that? Solomon did. He was talking about the temple he built. That's where the presence of God is. Solomon, he, he built that. And then Solomon, he takes this wisdom and he goes on and he writes four books of the Bible. He helped his dad, David, write a couple of the Psalms. As a young man, he writes the book Song of Solomon, which is a, a book all about the joys of pleasure and sex and marriage. And then in, as a king, he writes the book of Proverbs, giving wisdom to his son because one day his son's gonna take over the kingdom. That's why 20 times in the first eight chapters, he says, my son, my son, my son, listen to me, my son. It's from a father to a son, raising him up to be the king. And at the end of his life, he writes a book called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, he's looking back on his life. He's surveying all the decisions that he's made. And as an old man on his deathbed, just about to pass away, he looks back on his life and he has nothing but regrets because 
somewhere along the line, he got up from wisdom's table and he sat down with Lady Folly. Here's what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter two. I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. He says, I'm tired of sitting at wisdom's table. I wanna go see what's out there. I'm tired of sitting here at Lady Wisdom. I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go see what Lady Folly has to offer me. But that also proved to be meaningless. I deny myself nothing my eyes desire. I refuse my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all of my labor and this was the reward of my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, when I toiled and what I had achieved, everything was meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. As a young man, Solomon, he sat down at wisdom's table. He ate her feast. He enjoyed her presence, that he dined with lady wisdom and for much of his life, he sat right there enjoying the blessings and the benefits and the life that comes along with it. But somewhere, he decided he was going to get up from Lady Wisdom's table and he was going to walk over and he sat down at Lady Folly's seat and he ate her secret bread and he drank her stolen water. He denied himself no pleasure. Everything he saw, he bought it, he wanted it, he had to have it. He gave in to every whim and fantasy and desire that he had and somewhere along the line he lost everything he looks back on his life and he says meaningless vanity worthlessness foolishness it cost me everything and I got nothing for it and Solomon died an old depressed lonely foolish man The most important day isn't the day he got wisdom. The most important day was the day he lost it. So what happened in Solomon's life? How did the wisest man become such a fool? How did this great king lose everything? How did this happen? Soren Kierkegaard, he says this. He says that life is to be defined backwards, but it's to be lived forwards. What I wanna do is I wanna, I wanna show you Solomon's life so that way you can hopefully reverse engineer your life to where you don't end up like him. To where you begin with the end in mind and then you're able to take the steps forward to that. And here's, here's why this matters. Because how you live determines how you die. So I want you to see Solomon's life and use it as a cautionary tale to your own. So here's the rest of this story. Picking up in 1 Kings chapter 10. Just so you know, there's a lot of Bible and it's gonna get a little dark, so. Here's what it says. King Solomon was greater in riches and wisdom than any other king on earth. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom that God had put in his heart. The, the wisdom doesn't come from Solomon. The wisdom came from God. The wisdom was not innate within himself. It comes from above. God had given him this wisdom. Year after year, everyone came and they brought a gift. Articles of silver and gold and robes and weapons and spices and horses and mules. And Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses. And get this, which he kept in chariot cities. Like whole cities just for his horses. Like that's incredible. He's got a whole city. He's like, what do we do with these horses? I don't know. Let's build them a city. And he builds them a city. And then he keeps some with them in Jerusalem. 
Verse 27, the king also made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. They're like, hey, is that a rock? No, that's called silver. Wow, oh, we're doing pretty good for ourselves. That's how loaded he is. And cedar, plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt. These aren't just any horses. These are imported Egyptian horses from Q. The royal merchants purchased them from Q at the current price. This isn't bulk. He didn't get a bulk discount sell. He got it at the current price. He paid full price for all of his horses. He didn't go to Sam's Club and pick up his horses. He got them full price. And they imported the chariots from Egypt, 600 shekels of silver and horses for 150. They also exported them to the kings and the Hittites and the Armenians. Okay, here's what King says, right? He's rich. He's loaded. He's doing really good for himself. Solomon is everybody's dream. Like everybody wants to be like Solomon. He has it all, riches, wealth, honor, success. People are coming from miles and miles to learn from him, sit at his feet, get wisdom from him. They give him gifts and then he gives them advice and they're like, this is incredible. Everybody wants to be like Solomon. Well, what happened? Here's what we see. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, the Hittite women, from the nations concerning which the Lord God had said to the people of Israel, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung to these in love. What that should read is this, Solomon refused to listen to wisdom. Solomon refused to listen to the word of God. Solomon refused to obey the commands and the decrees. Remember in 1 Kings 3, if you obey me, it's yours, you get life. If you reject me, he refused to listen to wisdom. What this actually would mean is this. He got up from Lady Wisdom's table, he walked across and he sat down with foolishness. And here's what happens. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and they turned his heart away from the Lord. All that wisdom for marriage, it's gone. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, may your fountain be blessed, rejoice in the wife of your youth, gone. No more wisdom for marriage. What comes next? For when Solomon was old, his wives had turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord, as was the heart of the father David. For Solomon, after Asheroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Now Solomon's worshiping pagan gods. This is the fear of the Lord, man. This is the guy who's like, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Knowledge of the Holy One is your insight. The fear of the Lord is a refuge. The fear of the Lord makes one strong. A little with the fear of the Lord is better than a lot without him. This is the fear of the Lord, man. Now bowing down to demons. The God here, where it talks about Asheroth, you would worship this God with pedophilia. The God of Thessalonians, Milcom, you would have sex with prostitutes. This is Solomon, the author of Proverbs, the wisest man in the world. How did it get here? So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Not what was socially acceptable. 
Not what was trending on Twitter, not what he read on a blog from Huffington Post, not what was tolerant or pluralistic or diverse. God says evil. Not opinionated worldviews, evil. Solomon goes and he does evil. Foolishness will lead you to do the most heinous and evil of things. He goes on and it says this, he did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father had done. And then Solomon, he built a high place. That means a temple. Proverbs 9, wisdom lives in the high place. That's the temple. He built the temple that housed the presence of the Lord. He established the temple for sacrifices for the Israeli people. He did all of those things. He built the temple for God. And then he goes and he builds temples for false gods right next door to the temple of the Lord. He builds a temple on the high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab. The way you would worship this God is you would make a child sacrifice of your firstborn, and then the God of the Ammonites, of Molech, you would actually set your children on fire. That's how you worship this Lord. Solomon loved Lady Folly so much, he built her a high place. He built her a temple. He became a self-fulfilling prophet in Proverbs chapter nine. Foolishness as a temple, and Solomon built it for her. And so he did all of this with his foreign wives who made offerings and sacrifices to their gods. Proverbs 22 says this, to train up your child in the way of the Lord. That word train up, if you remember back to wisdom for parenting, it's the same word Solomon used for the dedication of the temple. And now he's dedicating his children to false gods. I wonder how many of his own kids were murdered on the footsteps of that temple. Wisdom for parenting, gone. How does this make you feel? It's pretty intense, isn't it? That's the way foolishness is. Foolishness looks fun at first. Foolishness is fine. It's just a little stolen water. It's just a little secret bread. Nobody's going to know. And then you get up and you go and you sit down with her and then pretty soon before you know it, dead. Sheol, the grave, hell. It starts with a choice. It leads to consequences. How do you think God feels? What do you think God's thinking this whole time? Well, God speaks up. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice. God came to him two times. You think, if God showed up to me, I would listen. Solomon's an idiot. Right? If God would show up to me, then you know I would listen. God showed up to him two times and he still didn't do it. I mean, how many of you, if God gave you a word, you'd be like, oh, yes, Lord, that's exactly what I'm going to do. It's called the Bible and we still don't do it. We are no different than Solomon, so let's not pretend we are. And the Lord was angry with Solomon and heart turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice and commanded him concerning the thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep the commandments. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since this has been your practice and you have not kept the covenant of my statutes and I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and I will give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days. And here's probably the most heartbreaking thing in the whole story. Tragically, here's what God says, but I will tear it from the hands of your son. If you remember, Proverbs is written from a father to a son. 
My son, listen to me. My son, listen to me. Get wisdom, get understanding. My son, if you will receive my understanding, my son, my son, my son, my son. And this whole series has been building up Solomon as this great king and this good father. And I'll be honest with you, throughout this series, I've really fallen in love with Solomon. And that's why I'm growing the big, long beard out. I want to be just like him. (laughs) And I've fallen in love with Solomon. And I just think, man, I want to be this type of dad for for my children. I want to pass on this wisdom to my children. And we should do that. But here's what the most heartbreaking thing is. The recipient of the book of Proverbs ends up suffering because of the sin of his father. Parents, I wonder how many times our children must suffer because of our own foolishness. See, your foolishness doesn't just affect your life. It affects the lives that come after. See, Solomon here, he's the king. He chooses to be a fool and he loses everything. If you keep reading, what happens is Solomon actually gets entangled in his first war. An adversary raises up against him. He tries to kill him. Peace is gone. The kingdom is handed over to his son, Rehoboam. Rehoboam ends up being murdered. The kingdom, it collapses. The temple is destroyed. The Babylonians come in. They take all of the Israelites away into slavery. And here we are. 3,000 years later, Israel still has no peace. Israel is still in war. Israel has no temple. Israel has no king. Solomon's foolishness not only has impacted his life, but the lives of millions. 3,000 years later, people are still paying the price for his foolishness. And then if you read down to verse 42, here's what happens. Solomon, he dies. This is why the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. Sin destroys everything until eventually sin destroys you. Foolishness is sin. Sin is foolishness and it destroys everything until eventually it destroys you. You want to destroy your friendships? Be a fool. Sin will destroy your friendships. Sin will destroy your view of womanhood. Sin will destroy your view of manhood. Sin will destroy your relationships. Sin will destroy your marriages. Sin will destroy your finances. Sin will destroy your jobs. Sin will destroy your children. And then eventually sin will get you too. Sin destroys everything until eventually sin, it will destroy you. Foolishness is sin and the cost of living a life as a fool is for you to be destroyed. This is Solomon, the author of the book of Proverbs, the wisest man who becomes a fool. How are you going to end? Are you gonna go out with the fear of the Lord, worshiping at an old age, holding the wife of the hand of your, holding the the wife's hands, surrounded by children and grandchildren, worshiping God, being a member of a church, leaving a legacy that comes behind you, making a difference in the world, or are you gonna go out like Solomon, an old, decrepit, depraved, dirty old man who has nothing but regret? How you live determines how you die. You have a choice. Now, if the sermon ended there, it'd be pretty depressing, amen? If that's where we're at, 
There's not a lot of hope for us. I mean, some of you might be thinking, okay, Byron, well, if it didn't work for Solomon, then what hope is there for me? If it didn't work for him, then what hope is there for me? If Proverbs didn't work for him, then how is there any hope for me? What do I do? We just wasted 10 weeks. Wisdom for life? It's more like wisdom for wasting my life. (laughs) Well, what do we do? Something you need to remember. Wisdom didn't come from Solomon. Where did it come from? It came from the Lord. And one thing we've been saying this whole entire series is this, is that wisdom is not a proverb. Wisdom is a person. His name is Jesus. Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to talk to you about your life, Solomon's life, and now I want to tell you about Jesus' life. Solomon hands the kingdom off to his son. His son ends up losing the kingdom. And then many, many, many years go on. And then there's a son who has another son who is from the father and adopted by a man named Joseph. And his name is Jesus. And Jesus is the great, 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 great grandson of King Solomon. Jesus comes and he is the rightful king. Jesus comes and he is the savior for the people. Jesus comes along the scene and Jesus is the wisdom for the people. Jesus comes to reverse all the foolishness that Solomon made. Jesus comes and he reverses all of the poor decisions that Solomon made. Jesus comes and Jesus reverses the curse of sin. Jesus comes and he changes everything. Jesus is the wisdom that Solomon was pointing towards. And so Jesus comes and he's preaching and nobody listens to him. Jesus comes and he teaches and nobody listens to him. Jesus comes revealing the kingdom of God and nobody listens to him. He heals, he casts out demons, he raises the dead and nobody listens to him. And so Jesus gets a little frustrated and he has a conversation with a group of men known as the Pharisees. And he talks to them and here's here's what Jesus says to, to these men. He says this, he says, the queen of the south, okay, we, we met her in 1 Kings 10. She comes from Egypt and she sits down at Solomon's feet, the queen of the south. She's gonna rise up in judgment against this generation and she will condemn it for she came to the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of who? And behold, someone greater than Solomon is here. Jesus says, you thought Solomon was great? Something greater than Solomon is here. You thought Solomon was special? Someone more special than Solomon is here. You thought Solomon was strong? Somebody stronger, somebody bigger, somebody better, somebody greater, somebody more wise than Solomon is here. And here I am standing right in front of you. Will you listen to me? Jesus comes to reverse everything Solomon destroyed. Here's a comparison from Solomon's life to Jesus' life. Let me just show you this. Solomon was faithless. Jesus is faithful. Solomon was sinful. Jesus was sinless. As a father, Solomon failed his son. Jesus is the son that comes from the father. 
Solomon was imperfect. Jesus is perfect. Solomon was a poor king. Jesus is our great king. Solomon had wisdom and he lost it. Jesus is wisdom and he gives it. Solomon died because of his foolishness and Jesus died for our foolishness. Solomon wrote Proverbs and the good news redemption is this. The good news for the wisdom of life. The good news of gospel grace. The good news is this, is that Jesus is the point of Proverbs. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. That's our Jesus. So you think Solomon was great. Jesus says, someone greater than Solomon is here, and here I am. If you want wisdom, that's Jesus. Wisdom for your friendships is Jesus. Wisdom for your relationships is Jesus. Wisdom for men is Jesus. Wisdom for women is Jesus. Wisdom for dating is Jesus. Wisdom for marriage is Jesus. Wisdom for work is Jesus. Wisdom for money is Jesus. Wisdom for your children is Jesus because Jesus is the wisdom. I believe Solomon had some kind of understanding of this. It was not complete because the Lord had not come yet, but I think that he, he had some understanding of this. And here's the reason why, because in Proverbs chapter nine, he says something very interesting. You say, how do I get this wisdom? Where does this wisdom come from? How do I get this? How do I receive the wisdom for life? In Proverbs 9, Lady Wisdom, she actually says something that's really profound. I want you to look at it. She says this, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine that I've mixed. Does that sound familiar? How about we say it like this? On the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body that is broken for you. And then he grabbed the cup and he says, this is my blood that has been shed for you, the new covenant. Does that sound familiar? It's, it's Jesus. That Proverbs is prophesying and pointing towards the fulfillment of Jesus to forgive your foolishness. Jesus died the death for foolishness so that way you can get the wisdom that comes from life. Jesus is the pers person of wisdom. Jesus is the one who is calling out Hey, you need wisdom? Here I am. Oh, you simple. You need wisdom? That's me. Come in here. I got, a, I got the presence of God waiting for you. I got life waiting for you. I have a table prepared for you. Hey, where are you at? What are you doing? Where are you going? Hey, come in here. Come listen to me. Come love me. Come give your life to me. There is plenty of bread. There is plenty of wine. There is a feast prepared just for you. If you would just turn from your simple ways and you would walk in my insight. That word turn from your simple ways, that's called repentance. That you would turn from your sin and you would trust in Jesus, that you would leave your simple ways and you would walk in the wisdom he has. And he says this, my body was broken for you. Foolish people put me to death and I died for foolish people. Foolish people, they crucified me. My blood was spilled. And I did it for foolish people. I came to reverse Solomon's foolishness, and guess what? 
I can reverse your foolishness too. Jesus comes and dies the death for fools so that way fools can begin to have life. You don't have to choose death. You can choose life. You can choose Jesus. You can give your life to Jesus and he'll give you a new one. But you do have to make a decision. We've seen Jesus' life. We've seen Solomon's life. And now it's your turn to decide what you're gonna do with yours. And just remember this. How you live determines how you die. Well, thanks again for tuning in with us here at Redemption Church. If this message was helpful to you in any way, leave a review, like, comment, or share with your friends to help others experience life change through Jesus. Hey.